1520, Spanish colonizer Francisco Gordillo was commissioned by the royal audience judge of Santo Domingo near Lucas Vasquez de Aon to make an expedition to what is now the southeastern United States. Hispaniola in modern day is Haiti and Dominican Republic. Santo Domingo in present day is the capital and the largest city in the Dominican Republic. Francisco sailed north from Hispaniola through the Bahamas and while passing through the Bahamian archipelago, Francisco fell in with his slave raider named Pedro de Quixos, who was unsuccessfully trying to capture the Alwak indigenous to sail as enslaved peoples. Pedro was also a relative of Francisco's pilot, and Pedro and Francisco thus decided to join forces. On June 24, 1521, they sailed through the northern channel of Wenya Bay and sighted the mouth of the Santee River, which in present times is located right between Georgetown and Charleston, South Carolina. Both cities named after English colonizers, King Charles II and King George II. But at this time, they were uncolonized regions, and thus, no European had named them yet. This middle land and region at the mouth of the Santee River would be named San Juan Bautista, which is English for St. John the Baptist. Today, it is called the P.D. River, a river that originates in the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. For the next 22 days, they would explore further past the mouth of the P.D. River and go into another region known today as the Santee River. Crowds of Santee indigenous were tucked away and hidden, watching the ship, believing that the Spanish colonizers and their huge ships were sea monsters or gods. The Spanish were well aware at this point of the belief systems and customs of indigenous groups in the Americas, as they had already made great headway and developments all throughout the Caribbean and South America, as well as Central America. Since Spanish explorer Christopher Hitler Sr. Columbus committed genocide on the indigenous of present-day Haiti back in 1492, it was now 1521, 29 years into the Spanish pilot into the Americas and successfully maneuvering colonization on different indigenous groups. As a matter of fact, Spanish colonizer Hernan Cortes at this time had set foot into the Aztec Empire in 1519 and was wrapping up his conquest war and prevailing against the Aztecs while Francisco and Pedro here were making their move on present-day South Carolina. That is to say that the Spanish were more than well prepared to handle what they perceived as hostile and non-hostile groups of indigenous Americans. In fact, they called every indigenous group they considered friendly Carib. Thus the name Carib being and every indigenous they considered hostile were called Arawak, a term used interchangeably with Taino. The indigenous began to flee once the ships set down smaller boats called shallops and began to approach the shores. However, two were caught and taken aboard one of the ships, given Spanish clothes and returned ashore to their people. Upon seeing their return of their own and seeing the lavish clothing and condition they were returned in, they perceived the Spanish to be friendly and non-threatening and many of them spewed out onto the shores to join their two comrades and welcome the Spanish ashore and the Spanish also gave them gifts and friendly exchanges. Seeing this, the Shakoran chief ordered 50 of his male subjects to greet the Spanish colonizers with food, skins, pearls, and a bit of silver and offered to provide guides to help the Spaniards cross the bay and explore the countryside. A horrible mistake. The devil always comes like a light. 
During this guided tour, they learned that the indigenous they were being guided by were called the Shakura, who were also at times called the Shakula, the Shikarana, or the Shakuri. The Spaniards also noticed the countryside's rich soil. In typical colonizer fashion, they invited the natives aboard to see their ships. The reciprocal action for the nice, not ill, intended guided tour that the beautiful people of the Santee had given them. Those who entered the ship were quickly trapped. The colonizers quickly raised their anchors and set sail back to Santo Domingo with 70 of the indigenous still aboard. It was on that very same day of Sunday, June 31st of the year 1521 when Francisco, along with another captain, took possession of the land in the name of their king, cutting crosses into the trees of the Santee. What happened was that Lucas Vasquez de Elon, the man who commissioned this expedition, who was back in Santo Domingo at this time, had ordered Francisco to cultivate friendly relations with the indigenous that he encountered to prepare for later colonization. He had planned on making them subject to the Spanish for when the Spanish settled more into South Carolina at a later time. However, Pedro, who had failed at enslaving the indigenous of the Caribbean, the Arawak, he was still eager to become a slave master and he persuaded Francisco to instead trick these indigenous people, trap them, enslave them, and take them across the ocean away from their home. When the expedition arrived in Santo Domingo, Lucas de Elon was not happy with the actions of Francisco and Pedro, but especially Francisco, because Francisco was the one that he had commissioned to be over this expedition to the southeastern United States, not Lucas, who was picked up along the way. Now, while the Spanish were colonizers, in comparison by large to the British colonizers, they were a bit more lax. And while enslavement was enslavement and inherently evil, whether you were in the 13 colonies or the Caribbean or elsewhere in the Americas, there were levels to things. Lucas de Elon condemned Francisco and Pedro for their treachery and actually took the matter before a commission that was headed by Diego Columbus, the eldest son of Christopher Adolf Hitler Sr. Columbus, the man who claims to have discovered America, a land that had already been inhabited for over 10 to 20,000 years by the time he arrived. This commission headed by Diego Columbus declared the captive indigenous to be free and ordered them to be returned back to their home on the mainland, back to the Santee region. This is something that English colonizers would have never even considered. The problem was, though, this trip would never occur as it was considered too costly. And unfortunately, as a result, most of the indigenous brought from the Santee River had died off within two years of arriving and died as homeless wanderers of the streets of Santo Domingo. This is a key insight into how different the colonization between the Spanish and the English was. Once the 13 colonies of the English were established, a black person could not just simply be walking around town all free and willy-nilly. There was no being homeless or masterless. We cannot even walk while black in modern day without being hassled. A man who had been aboard the ship, however, and kidnapped from his homeland along the Santee and PD River of the Shakura, he, however, did not die. He began actually working for Lucas de Elon and was baptized Catholic and renamed Francisco Shakura. Shakura would go on to go with Lucas to Spain, where Shakura would meet a journalist named Peter Modder. And Shakura would tell Peter all about his people, their customs, their culture, as well as the culture of the neighboring provinces and people of his homeland, such as the Cherokee and Creek indigenous. Shakura told him belonging to one of the Suan-speaking territories who were subject to Chief Datha of Duhair, who Francisco Shakura described as being his people's gigantic king, who was not only of a different race from the Shakura and his people, but Chief Datha ruled a race of giants.
giants. And these giants all had blonde hair down to their heels and grew long tails. The description of Chief Datha of the hair reminds me of the Tuatha De Danann of pre-Christian Ireland, which is ancient Ireland. The Tuatha De Danann were said to be a race of God-like and divine beings who are described as giants with red or blonde hair, blue or green eyes, and pale skin. These Tuatha in Celtic mythology inhabited Ireland long before the arrival of the Milesians. And the Milesians are the ancestors of the modern Irish. Archaeology has actually unearthed evidence all around the world of small colonies of red-haired people from the same time period as the Tuatha de Danann's arrival in Ireland. In legend, the Tuatha de Danann's origins are unknown, but it is speculated to be from outer space, aka the heavens. But legend does tell of where the Tuatha went, which was to the hollows of the earth when they were finished with their purpose on earth. When depicted, the Tuatha de Danann are depicted as kings, queens, gods, and heroes of the distant past who had supernatural powers and in some lures, they were said to have been fallen angels. The Tuatha de did have a superior entity named Danu, of which has been speculated to be a conflation of Anu, the superior entity of the Anunnaki. And the Anunnaki is used as a term that encompasses the many different species that once dwelt on earth who descended onto the earth from outer space who are the gods of ancient religions and assimilated into modern religion. Anu and or his son Enlil is usually the supreme entity of every religion but since the Tower of Babel's confusion of tongues their names are under another name in different cultures and in different tongues. We see the same story of these same entities playing parts in all the indigenous people that we covered. I do believe that the two other day the non-species are the same species of the Anunnaki who once visited the ancestral Shikaranas, which is what Francisco Shakur was referring to when talking to Peter Modder. The Tuatha de Danann themselves are said to have went to live inside the earth to the other world or underworld, which some religions would call hell. And in such instances, the Tuatha de Danann going into the underworld would be similar to religion saying that the fallen angels went to him. But outside of religion, the Anunnaki dwelt in the skies, in the hollow of the earth and in the depths of earth's oceans which are connected to the hollows of the earth. Bruna Boyne is a place that is just 40 minutes outside of Dublin, Ireland and is the passage that to Anthony used to navigate to the underworld. Bruna Boyne means womb of the moon or womb of the cow which also basically confirms that the two of the Danon were a part of the Anunnaki. At the very center of almost every ancient sacrificial ritual is a cow. When aliens do abduct animals, they abduct cows. At the top of every ancient pantheon of deities is a moon goddess who serves as a cow goddess who is also a fertility or womb goddess. Like Ki and Ishtar, who are the same entities in ancient Mesopotamia. Just like Hathor, who is also Isis in ancient Egypt, which is who the biblical Jews, when led out of Egypt, tried to worship the sacred cow because at that time, majority of the world was set on the original religion of the world, which included the worshiping of multiple entities from the Anunnaki pantheon instead of just one. The Christian god Yahweh himself was the name of one of the Anunnaki, and he did not like to share his followers with others. Thus, the reason that other religions and people in the Bible who did not only worship 
worship Yahweh was called pagans. It was not that they did not recognize Yahweh. It was just that Yahweh was one of their many gods and Yahweh was actually the top of their pantheon. The problem was that they served all these other Anunnaki deities as well. Thus them being called pagans. Matter of fact, he stole his name from his brother who we now call Satan. Ishtar, Isis, the ancient Egyptian cow deity, Hathor, Aphrodite, the sacred cow of the Hindus. All of these entities are other names of one single entity whose name became differentiated after the Tower of Babel situation. And her name is Ki. K-I. Ki is the mother of the Anunnaki and the original mother of the earth or Mother Earth. Bruna Boyne in Ireland is named in honor of Key. Today, Bruna Boyne is a complex of megalithic, neolithic mounds, chamber tombs, standing stones, hinges, and other prehistoric enclosures. Some dating back to as early as 3,800 years ago. It is a humongous and complex passage tomb, just like the ancient Egyptian pyramids. And it's also said that Bruna Boyne is older than the Egyptian pyramids and was built with sophistication and a knowledge of science and astronomy to the point that each of its three main megalithic sites align with astronomical figures, just like the ancient pyramids of Egypt align with the Orion star system. As you can see, Bruna Boyne from an aerial view looks like a cymatic structure, sacred geometry, sort of like a nucleus, just like the mysterious ancient ruins of Great Zimbabwe and the numerous stone circles of South Africa that are also patterned in a cymatic structure as if they are designed in a fashion of the vibrations of Earth's different pressure points. The Anunnaki is a broad term for a variety of the different species of entities said to have came down from the heavens. In other words, they were aliens who came down from outer space. Every indigenous culture and ancient ruin show these figures. A few examples of the species included in the Anunnaki are the Lyran cat people displayed in Egypt, the Iranians, the Syrians, and the reptilians who come in aquatic and bird forms and were known to be able to shape-shift. The Anunnaki were said to be giants and some of them, like the reptilians, did indeed have tails. The Pleiadians were a species of the Anunnaki from the Pleiadian star system. This specific star system is easily visible to mid-southern lands and known since ancient times in lands such as Hawaii, New Zealand, Australia, Persia, India, Southeast Asia, Japan, and even Ireland. The Mayans, Aztecs, Sioux, Kiowa, and Cherokee indigenous were also very aware of this star system and were likely visited by the Pleiadians. The Chikora indigenous themselves were of the Suan family and the Cherokee were a neighboring territory of the Chikora. Not to mention, the Pleiadians were said to have pale faces, blonde hair, and blue eyes and be responsible for the appearance of Nordic Scandinavians. Dartha of Duhare was likely a Pleiadian. Just like the other Anunnaki, the Tuatha de Danan went inside of Earth to the Hollows which is also where a lot of indigenous groups of the Americas claim their ancestors originated from or where their ancestors went to survive the Great Fire and the Great World Flood with aid from the Anunnaki. <laughs> These accounts Shakur shared with Peter would be later combined with information from the accounts of different explorers and published under the name Testimony of Francisco de Shakura and published in 1525. The very next year, in 1526, Shakura would accompany Lucas on a major expedition to North America with 600 colonizers. After they struck land at what Lucas named the Joyner River, which is modern day called the Santee River, one ship of the expedition went ashore. Francisco Chacora was on this ship to serve as a translator between the Spanish and the indigenous of his homeland. 
threatened as the party was leaving the ship, Chikora used this opportunity to escape and return to his people. After Chikora's successful escape, no other history is found on him. Amongst Lucaster Island's group of 600 colonists were enslaved Africans. They were actually the first enslaved Africans to be brought to modern-day USA. Almost 100 years before enslaved Africans were brought to Virginia by the English in 1619. Lucas attempted to settle what is now Pawleys Island, South Carolina, but failed due to the poor soil and sparse indigenous population. After a month Lucas moved the colony into Georgia along the Sapello River where it failed in a few months. Lucas continued on and settled the short-lived colony of San Miguel de Gualdape in South Carolina on September 29, 1526. It was the first European settlement in what became the continental United States, and the third in North America north of Mexico. Settlers endured exhaustion, cold, hunger, disease, and troubles with the local natives. When Lucas died October 18th of that same year from an unnamed illness, the entire settlement fell apart. Some of the enslaved Africans escaped to live with the local indigenous and the other 150 survivors returned to Santo Domingo. So, what had happened was that Shakur had learned Spanish and assisted Lucas de Elon in convincing the king and queen of Spain that the Carolina coast had fertile land. Shakur continued exaggerating on Lucas's behalf and proclaimed the riches and wealth of his homeland. Lucas, in turn, also exaggerated and lied, saying that the coordinates of Shakur's homeland were parallel to the coordinates of the famously fertile area of Spain called Andalusia, and said that the coastal Carolina area was a new Andalusia. After hearing the both of them state all these grand and great things, of course, the crown granted Lucas de Elon's request for another expedition. On June 12th of the year 1523, Lucas signed a contract with the crown allowing him to establish a settlement on the eastern seaboard of what is now called the United States of America, and he would be allowed to conduct trade with the local indigenous there. He was appointed as governor for life and given the title of high sheriff, which would be held by Lucas and his heirs forever. In return for this and other numerous privileges, Lucas was required to perform a more detailed exploration of the region and establish missions, churches, and a Franciscan monastery to support the conversion of the indigenous population. He was restrained from implementing encomienda or other means of forcing the indigenous into enslavement or forced labor. Encomienda was a Spanish labor system that rewarded colonizers with the labor of the non-Christianized people that they encountered and conquered. Between the years of 1520 and 1530, nearly all the indigenous people in the Spanish colony of Hispaniola were dead from the diseases that were spread to them by the Spanish. So enslaved Africans were brought in as replacements. So when Lucas went on his 600-person expedition to coastal South Carolina, 100 enslaved Africans were amongst that 600. On August 9th of 1526, when Lucas de Elon and his crew touched base along the P.D. River, almost immediately their largest ship sank by hitting a huge sandbar. While all the passengers were rescued, the crew had lost most of their food and supplies. Once on land, matters only grew worse when Lucas de Elon saw Francisco Shakura immediately take a run for it into the forest and disappear. At this point, Lucas and Shakura have built a nice relationship as at least friends or comrades. Or at least that's what Lucas believed. Shakura even helped Lucas get commissioned to take the expedition to the Carolina coast. So of course, Lucas was shocked and ultimately realized Francisco de Shakura had pulled one over on him just to get back home. Shakura had already been to 
Santo Domingo and Spain and seeing all that was there and still there was no place like home. I just think this is a really hilarious moment and very clever on Shakur's part. It shows how Lucas really thought that the life introduced to Shakur was so good that he could trust to take this man back across the seas to his homelands and that he would not just take off like that. The problem was that Shakur's escape left the colonists with no way to communicate with their new neighbors, causing Lucas to not be able to successfully settle Holly's Island, South Carolina, and only temporarily successfully settle San Miguel Guadalupe in South Carolina because Lucas had no way of communicating with the local indigenous, and thus he had very little aid. After Lucas de Elon's death, the successor that he appointed ruffled people's feathers, and there was a revolt. <laughs> Listen, y'all, these enslaved Africans burnt the new successor's house down, killed him, and escaped into the forest and later intermarried with local indigenous groups. Yes, the first enslaved Africans known to have been brought to the continent were also the very first enslaved Africans to revolt. Indigenous groups like the Brass Ankles and the Lumbee are two of the groups who prominently intermarried with these runaway enslaved Africans. The Lumbee indigenous of modern-day Robeson County, North Carolina, is the largest indigenous group in North Carolina and the largest indigenous group east of the Mississippi River and ninth in the United States of America. Robeson County sits on the border of South and North Carolina. The Lumbee have inhabited this area for over 14,000 years and are named after the Lumbee River. In modern day, the Lumbee are said to be the descendants of the English colonizers of the lost colony of Roanoke who intermarried with the Croatoan indigenous. If you do not know the story of the lost colony of Roanoke Island in North Carolina. It is about how the Roanoke colony of English colonizers disappeared during a difficult winter. Literally went poof. Mind you, this whole incident at Roanoke Island in North Carolina occurs 61 years after the Africans had already interbred with the local Carolina indigenous populations. Just thought I should point that out. These English colonizers had just completely vanished by the time that people came back to check on them. I know they weren't dead because they did not find any burial sites or any skeletons, none of that good stuff. They literally were just gone. They were not there. The only thing left of them was the word Croatone carved into a tree. Now, speaking of Croatone, the Brass Knuckles are the other prominent group that the enslaved Africans who escaped the San Miguel Guadalupe settlement intermarried with. The Brass Knuckles are also known as the Croatone indigenous and they are a part of the Algonquin indigenous language group alongside their neighboring Yamasee and Cherokee brethren who the enslaved Africans also intermarried with. While the Croatone are known for their involvement with the lost colony of Roanoke, they also lived in the swamp areas of Holly Hill, South Carolina, Somerville, South Carolina, and Goose Creek, South Carolina. Somerville and Goose Creek, South Carolina are both considered to be a subdivision of the greater Charleston area. They and the enslaved Africans shared the same animal mystic sorcery-based spiritualism. These same belief systems mirror voodoo and its children's spiritualities that are practiced all throughout the Americas today. As a matter of fact, the voodoo religion originated on the west coast of Africa and all around Africa are similar religions and belief systems just as old, if not older than it. Similar belief systems also belong to the indigenous of the Americas. This was a common happenstance back in the day whenever Africans intermarried with indigenous of the Americas that their original beliefs were often very much parallel to one another. That is to say, if 
these Africans had not already been affected by the Christian and Muslim conquest on the entire continent of Africa, which started directly after Jesus was killed in the first century and after the prophet Muhammad died in the seventh century. And this is because they were still under the original culture and original belief system of the world prior to the arrival of what we now call modern religion. Not to mention indigenous Americans in the southern regions of the United States, Central America, and in South America are from Hamstock and in Ham's allotted territories, which is thoroughly documented during the division of Noah's three sons in the book of Jubilees, but the entire world is divided amongst Noah's three sons, not just the Middle East. So there you have it. San Miguel de Galdapi, South Carolina, was the first European colony in what is now the United States, preceding the unsuccessful colony at Pensacola, Florida by 33 years, St. Augustine, Florida by 39 years, the Roanoke Colony by 61 years, and Jamestown, Virginia by 81 years. The French were also exploring the coast of South Carolina, however. French naval officer, navigator, and colonizer of the southeastern states, Captain John Rabot, and his crew struck their sails at what is now known as St. Helena Islands of South Carolina. While there, Rabot found the indigenous to be hospitable and friendly, inviting him and his men to their homes and showering the Frenchmen with well-tanned skins, some pearls, and baskets made of palm leaves. Two young natives were serving as guides to Captain Rabot and one of his lieutenants, and they actually offered to take the Frenchmen to what they called the greatest lord of their country, whom they called the Shakura, who lived within the land toward the north. This was the other onset of destruction for the Shakura, as the two colonizer groups would begin fighting over the different native lands, including the Shakura's lands, resulting in many battles. Creole. Creole is defined as a person or people or culture of mixed European and black descent. The Sea Islands are a chain of over 100 tidal and barrier islands along the Atlantic Ocean coast of the southeastern United States extending from the mouth of the Santee River in South Carolina to the mouth of St. John's River in Florida. This region is home to the Gul Argichi culture and people who are of Creole descent due to the intermixing of the Spanish, the French, Africans, the indigenous, and later the English. It is here in these islands where the language, cuisine, folk beliefs, music, crafts, agriculture, traditions and cultures of the indigenous, central and west Africans are the most reserved out of anywhere else in the United States. The language here is likened to that of the Creoles of the Bahamas, Barbados, Guyana, Belize, Jamaica and Sierra Leone. In the midst of these battles and revolts, the Shakuras were forced to take sides, as were other natives of the Carolinas, pitting the different native groups against each other at the hands of the colonizers' force. In this process, many natives were killed and massacred. Not to mention that with the prevalence of more permanent European settlements came many diseases that the Shakura and many other groups had no immunity to withstand. Illness, along with the battles of the European settlers amongst themselves, led to the deaths of more than 80% of southern natives. Those who were not killed or forced to leave took themselves into the swamps and remained hidden, or at least silent, for several hundred years. In one of the last recorded Shakuran activities, Chief Eno Jimmy Warrior and many of his warriors met at the P.D. River town of Chirag, South Carolina, where they joined the Catawba indigenous in 1743 during an attempt by the government to force all the remaining indigenous to move to the Catawba community of upstate South Carolina. Allegedly, a few of the remaining Shakura would later move to Oklahoma with some of the Catawba in 1853. In recent years, the Shakura people have been working on restoring their foundations and getting back to their roots 
groups and have since adopted two parks in Horry County, South Carolina, and have been instrumental to helping different organizations in the community take care of Mother Earth and bring awareness to the history of the Shakura. The Shakura are the eldest and at one time the largest nation in South Carolina. This nation originally stretched from the Savannah River to the Cape Fear River in North Carolina and as far west as the Piedmont region. The Shakura people grew corn, tobacco, gourds, squash, and beans in their gardens and domesticated animals like deer and chickens. They fished the rivers and saltwater marshes of the area as well as did fishing in the seas. Because of their location, they may have been some of the first natives to actually see the Spanish. The goals of the Shakura in modern day are to work with federal, state, local government agencies, local schools, corporations, organizations, and all people to bring awareness of the original people of this area. They are working toward implementing programs such as an educational program, healthcare program, employment programs, and housing and transportation programs for their people. As of now, there are about 860 plus enrolled Shakura members. I am Gullah Geechee, born and raised, with ancestral roots in the Yoruban, the Khoisan, the Congo, the Bantu, and the Nubian ethnic groups of Africa, as well as that of the Mesoamerican indigenous, the French, the English, and the Spanish. My people were also the Guanches of the Canary Islands, who were African Moors and indigenous inhabitants of the Canary Islands, which now belongs to Spain. I have ancestors who were taken from the Congo and West Africa's coast and shipped off to the Caribbean and to South America, to places like Grenada and Suriname. I am the direct descendant of Pharaoh Ramesses III, an alleged Pharaoh of Egypt that served as the antagonist in the biblical book of Exodus. Oh, the irony. I can go on and on as this is not the full extent of my ancestry. However, this video and history itself is a testament of what occurred generations ago to create me. To create my culture. My people, you have to know where you came from to understand just who you are and why you are. Due to gentrification, the Gullah Geechee culture too is dwindling. This, this is my history.